Hello and welcome to ITIC Insight, the podcast which shares loss prevention advice from ITIC, the world's leading provider of professional indemnity insurance for transport professionals everywhere. Hello, I'm Barnaby Jordan, an account executive at ITIC, and welcome to today's podcast. The topic for discussion today is the inventory of hazardous materials, and I'm joined by John Chaplin from Lucian Marine. Lucian Marine provide marine survey and consultancy services, and more specifically, they provide inspections for the inventory of hazardous materials. The EU Ship Recycling Regulation, otherwise known as the EU SRR, came into force in 2013, and it dictates that all vessels must hold an IHM. One of the aims is to more successfully manage the recycling of the vessels when they are end of life. So, John, what other purposes does the IHM serve, ones that are more immediate and affect those on board the vessel? Well, hi, Barnaby. Thanks for asking me along. Uh, The ultimate purpose of an IHM is is to provide the recycling team with a list of hazardous materials on board, their sort of location and approximate quantity. And this can be of immediate value if the ship is close to the end of its commercial life. But if it still has 20 or so more years remaining in service, then the IHM informs the ship owner and the technical manager about the presence of any potentially dangerous substances, such as asbestos, that might need removal before the ship is recycled. And then when the ship is scrapped, there is also a positive environmental impact, as a good IHM indicates where hazardous materials may be found on board and gives approximate quantities, as I said before. So this information will help the recycler identify certain materials like wall panelling containing asbestos, for example, and then dispose of them in in the correct manner. In December of 2019, it became an obligation to hold a certificate of compliance with the IHM. Of course, from a ship manager's perspective, they want to avoid any unfavourable action taken against the vessel and its owner. And if the ship is not compliant, what ramifications could they face? Well, I must say at this point that I'm not an expert, and it's definitely worth talking to lawyers, uh, at, for example, at Holman Fennec will learn about this. But I gather that fines, penalties and imprisonment are all possible. In France, for example, there's a threat of a €100,000 fine or one year imprisonment. And in the UK, you could be looking at a financial penalty and two year imprisonment. We have recently heard about a ship calling an Italian port, which was fined just over €3,000 for not having an EU IHM, even though she was flying a non-EU flag. We understand the vessel was in possession of a certified, what we call IMO IHM, but that was not considered good enough for the local port state control. The EU IHM can include sampling for two additional substances called PFOS and something called HBCDD, which are not obliged under the IMO IHM. So this is a developing situation, and I think we'll see over time how these fines and penalties are handed out. Obviously, it's, it's, it's just beginning because the, the deadline's only sort of just passed. I see. Okay, thank you. Of course, in terms of the actual physical undertaking of the survey, it takes place throughout the majority of the ship's hull certainly the parts in which the crew would come into contact with commonly. And of course, that seems to me that that's quite a large job. What steps could be taken to ensure that the job of surveying is made as simple and as painless as possible? Well, in in my experience and on most commercial vessels, a standard IHM inspection takes one person around 10 hours. And so CAT can be comfortably completed in a sort of single working day. The inspector will either be following a well-laid-out VSCP, sorry for the acronym, 
visual sampling check plan that stands for, which is basically a plan of what you'll be doing. Or they'll be working just from experience of, of where to look on the ship. A general rule of thumb for an inspector might be to start at the top of the ship. So that would be the navigation bridge deck and then work their way down through the decks, finishing in the engine room. Now, it helps enormously if the captain and crew are briefed in advance to explain the reasons for the inspection and, you know, why someone is going around scraping off the paintwork and cutting out squares of carpet and things like that. So it's possible the inspector may need help to get access to areas of the ship which are usually locked. So some assistance from the crew might be needed there. But knowing where to look and what to sample, you know, he or she inspector would be working quite independently for the most part and wouldn't need handholding. Certainly, and this is how I've done it, I'm sure lots of others have done too, that alerting the crew in advance about the inspection and what's involved makes life much easier when you actually get on board. So it can save time. Excellent. Thank you. And it is an ongoing job. So the manager or owner or both do need to continuously ensure that the replacement parts are in line with the regulation, which means obtaining material declarations from the vendors. What other focus should the responsible parties have to keep compliant? Well, uh, regular maintenance of the IHM is actually a requirement of the EUSRR. That means keeping a record of hazardous materials contained within products that fall under the scope of the regulation and are delivered on board after the IHM has been certified. And ship equipment suppliers are expected to provide the necessary documentation. There is some, again, this is a, a new thing for ship owners and suppliers. They haven't been asked for this before. And there's a little bit of confusion at the moment as to which products fall under the scope. You know, is it part of the structure and equipment of the of the ship or is it not fall under the scope? In other words, you don't have to record it. So there is a little bit of confusion amongst the, the suppliers and, uh, and the owners, but I think this will all work itself out as in when IHM maintenance is up and running. I see. As per the EUSRR, it has been necessary for a certificate to be held since December of 2019. We understand that not all vessels hold one and that access to surveyors like yourself has been restricted quite heavily as a result of the pandemic. How has the industry reacted to this to allow a chance for ships to become compliant? Well, I think it's fair to say that some owners only started their IHM process during the course of 2020, which, of course, when the pandemic hit, left them really struggling to achieve compliance by the end of December, which was the deadline. But I think it should be noted that a great number of owners and ship managers did plan well in advance. And I personally worked with several owners uh, with fleets of around 100 ships who negotiated and contracted with their suppliers early on. And, you know, through the drive of their technical directors and superintendents and technical teams, they maintained pressure on the suppliers all through 2020 to work quite systematically through the fleet until every ship was expected. Every sample taken, analysed and, and reports produced and sent to class for certification. You didn't. You mentioned that access to IHM experts was restricted as a result of the pandemic, but really it was the IHM inspectors' access to ports and problems with international travel and then the Europe-wide lockdown measures that really caused any delay that there was. And... In terms of industry reaction to the problem, I, I mean, there were a number of associations representing shipping interests, such as the ICS, the International Chamber of Shipping, which highlighted the issue in an, in an open letter. And 
Maybe as a result, but following the pressures in October 2020, the EC issued a notice citing industry stakeholders who, who were claiming that several thousand ships would be unlikely to, to meet the deadline. And now following that, and maybe as a result of it, the EC decided to establish some what they call common guidelines in order to, as they put it, ensure a harmonized approach towards enforcement by the EU port states authorities during ship inspections. And as of the first of, and that was as of the first of January, so immediately following the de deadline. And the suggestion is to apply this so-called harmonized approach temporarily for a limited period of up to six months, where they recommend do, to do so until the 30th of June, 2021. So in some language, an extension of six months, but you know, specifically, as I've described it, so uh, people really do have have to get their get a move on if they if they haven't started with their IHMs. Asbestos uh, is a material which is quite often present in a ship, especially in ships built prior to 2002. That being the case, there could be exposure to the vessel owner and therefore the manager. What measures should the manager or owner be taking if they believe they have asbestos present on the vessel? So as you pointed out in your in question there, that it does depend a bit on the year of build. Ships built before the 1st of July 2002 are allowed to have an, another acronym, ACMs. I'm going to use this again for a few times, asbestos-containing materials, right, ACMs. So they ships built before 2002, they are allowed to have ACMs on board. However, the ACMs are only allowed as long as they don't pose a risk to the crew's health. And the crew should be aware of the dangers of the asbestos and should know how to deal with the asbestos in case there's a disturbance of the, of the ACMs and it can't be avoided. So the next category for ships built between 1st of July 2002 and 31st of December 2010, new installations of ACMs are only permitted on ships for a small handful of specific purposes. I won't go into, the, into all of them, but they, you can look them up. And then from January 2011, New installations of ACMs on board all ships is, without exception, no longer allowed. So, in such cases, action should be taken to have the ACM removed by professional removal, asbestos removal companies, and it should take place within the time frame of three years from discovery. And it goes without saying, all under the supervision of the flag state. So, it was a long-winded answer, but going back to your questions about what measures should be taken. Having established the presence of ACM, asbestos containing to the owner can now work with a, with a hazmat expert company to develop what we call an asbestos management plan. And this plan will include a summary of the asbestos on board, the risks, how it will be managed until such times that it can be re removed, and any training that might be required for anyone that may come into contact uh, with the material. And the plan can also cover the question of timing whether the work can be left until, say, for example, the next dry docking or whether immediate remediation is, re is required. And definitely without going into detail on the procedures, it is worth pointing out that the plans can be quite detailed in cases where there may be a greater chance of contamination or risk to the crew. And as I said before, all the work is planned very much in close cooperation with the flag state to make sure it's what they want. Excellent. Just to sort of wrap it all up, what advice would you give to ship managers out there, both those who are in the process of managing the compliance and those who will be dealing with this from five years from now? 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I think in in one sense you could say this was a problem that shipping was never supposed to have. And sometimes it feels quite remote from a, a ship owner's main activity of you know, moving cargo around the world. So I guess my advice to ship owners would be to implement a safe and sustainable solution to the problem of hazmats on board, really by working with experts and leaving them, the owner, to focus on you know winning charters and, and running their own business. We were part of a webinar recently and alongside lawyers at HFW, you know, where we heard asbestos is, is a killer and where IHM has, you know, proved the presence of an asbestos-containing material, ship owners really need to take appropriate measures now in order to protect staff and crew. So talking to an expert in the field is, is just clearly an, an excellent and sensible first step. Yes, yes, that's exactly what we would suggest as well. Well, thank you very much, John, for coming on the podcast today. And thank you all for listening. We're always happy to answer any questions, of course, as best as we can. And our website is a great facility for those looking for further information on all things transport, professional indemnity related. The website address is www.itic-insure.com. That will be all from us today. Thank you all and goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Itic Insight. We hope you found this edition interesting and informative. To ensure you never miss an episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts.